Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. It's so good to be with you one more time, and um, it is a pleasure to share with you the second characteristic of a multiplying disciple. Last week, we covered a heart for God, and today we're going to cover dependence on the Holy Spirit. Would you join me in prayer? Let's ask God to help us be transformed and be a better disciple for him. Dear God, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would lead this time. Please, God, lead this time. Would you remove anything that is of me and let it be you, God, move and manifesting in people's lives. We desperately need you. We depend on you. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we fall apart. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we fall apart. If we do not depend on the Spirit of God, let me ask you the question, then who are you depending on? If it is not God who leads you, then who is the one who is leading you? Chances are that is the flesh or the enemy. And lastly, the world. Bill Bright wrote a little booklet called The Spirit-Filled Life. In it, he described three kinds of people in this world. The first one, he said it is the natural person. A person who doesn't believe in God. A person who thinks that the things of the Lord are foolishness. The second kind of person is a person who is carnal. A person who has accepted Jesus into their world, into their life. But hasn't yet fully surrendered and has not been led or filled by the Spirit of God. And so that carnal person lives a disorderly life. And it very much looks like a person that is natural, that is not with God. Sure, they have now accepted the Lord or they have received the gift of God of eternal life, but they haven't yet been filled and led by the Spirit of God. And of course, a third person is a God-filled person, a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit and is led by the Holy Spirit. And this is the kind of person we're talking about today, a person who has learned to fully depend on the Holy Spirit. You see, to be dependent on the Spirit of God, it is to be Christ-like. You cannot be like Jesus and not depend on the Spirit of God because Jesus Christ, while he walked on this earth, fully depended on the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, while he walked on this earth, didn't do his will. He did the will of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is very important for you and I to understand because if Jesus Christ, while he walked on this earth, only lived and walked as a God, then there's nothing that you and I can say that would make sense for us to try to be like him because we're not gods. We belong to God, but we are not a God. And so if Jesus lived as a God, we cannot fully relate to him. We cannot be like him because by definition, he's already not like us. But if Jesus was a man and he walked as a man and he depended on the spirit of God to do the things that he did, then that gives us great hope to say that you and I can also do the things that he did. And in the word of God, it says, and even greater. Because he leaves with us the spirit of God, a counselor. 
He said it was a good thing for him to leave because he would leave with us his comforter. The Holy Spirit would be with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he was fully human. He was able to do the things he was able to do through the power and dependence on the Spirit of God. You and I can depend on God. We can have the power of God, the direction of God. We can be Christ-like because we have the same Spirit that dwelled within him. This is so exciting to me because as I go deeper into this subject, I have realized that in my life, I too need to depend more on the Holy Spirit. Because maturity is not a time thing. Maturity is a dependent thing. We have to learn to depend on God, therefore mature as Christians. I've known many people that have learned the Bible, that have known so much, yet they do not depend on the Holy Spirit. They depend on circumstance. They depend on emotions. They depend on other people. They depend in their own strength, in their own abilities. And this is a sad thing because when you do that, you're bound to fall. You're leaning against something so unstable. I want to begin to describe to you what are some of those characteristics of a person that does depend on the Holy Spirit in hopes that you too can say, oh, wait, that is something I'm already doing. Praise God. I will continue to depend on the Holy Spirit in this area of my life. But if you see something here that is not Christ-like, that is not depending on the Holy Spirit, then I pray that God would convict you and that you could also change and you could say, God, help me to be more like you. Help me, God, to depend on you and not on impulse, on you and not on my own feelings and emotions. A Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit and dependence on the Holy Spirit is like a phone without battery. You ever had a phone that just died? And I'm not talking about, you know, oh, I'm, I ran out of battery. I'm talking about a phone that literally the battery is dead. My mom has one like that, an iPhone, I think iPhone 6. And she asked me, can you please, can you fix it for me? And I've been trying to get around to it. In it, she has all these pictures and things like that. She's so worried about losing. And it's amazing because when I see that thing, I don't know what's in it. All I know is that it's, to me, it's just paperweight. To her, it has great potential. But without battery, there's nothing to do with that phone except toss it. You know, in our lives, it's the same way. We don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot display his greatness. We cannot display who he is. We cannot manifest the power and ingenuity of God in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our battery. That is what we desperately need in order to be fully what God called us to be. Amen. Let me go a little bit further now and actually get down into what are some of those characteristics of a person that depends on the Holy Spirit. If this is you, then thank God. If it is not you, then this is your time to take notes and to grow. Number one, a person depending on the Holy Spirit knows how to wait and act on God's time. A person who depends on the Holy Spirit knows how to wait and act on God's time. This is the way I wrote it. The more you depend on him, the easier it gets to deal with delay. The more you depend on him, the easier it gets to deal with delay. When you don't depend on the Holy Spirit, you tend to get really antsy, really desperate, really anxious. You tend to try to force issues and, and press and press and push. Now, I am not talking about diligence because diligence is incredible. It's important. We all need more of it. I'm talking about that anxiety, that, 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 the thing that, that makes you want to do something to someone when they haven't gotten it done and you get so mad. 
I know that part of that is excellence. But I believe that the other part is lack of dependence on the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it like this. I, as a pastor, see so many people come to my life or near my life. Not to my life, to the life of God, of course, but near my life. And I get to see them transform. I get to see them come as worms and fly as butterflies down the road. But you know that metamorphosis, that time of transformation takes time. It takes process. It takes falling. It takes getting up and falling and getting up. And if a pastor doesn't depend on the Holy Spirit, if a leader, if you don't learn to depend on the Spirit of God, you're going to see people and want to choke them every single day. You're going to get mad at them and why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? You're going to get so mad at them. Because you're not depending on the Spirit of God. You're depending on what? On what? On them? On your ability as a leader? On how amazing you think you are? It's amazing how God can use a donkey, isn't it? It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about what He can do. It's about His process. Now, of course, this doesn't mean we could become passive because there's a time to act. Like I said, it's not just about waiting, but it's also about acting on God's time. The key there is expectation. The key there is having hope. Some people simply become passive because they're hopeless. If you're not depending on the Holy Spirit, you will wait because you're hopeless. But if you depend on the Holy Spirit, you will wait because you are filled with hope. Let me put it like that again. So if a person is waiting because they're just passive and they have no hope that it's going to change, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person that knows how to wait on the Lord and is expecting and is ready to go. Because God is about to do something. Now they're waiting patiently, yes, but they're ready to go. A person that is expecting God to do something great can wait a little bit longer because he knows that the reward is that much greater. If you're in a relationship, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember when I was about to marry Eoni, the closer I got to the date of marriage, the harder the struggle became. The struggle is real. The closer I got to the marriage bed or to the moment where I would fulfill and, you know, consume my marriage, it was just like, Eoni, I cannot see you. I'm going to have to uh, stay home today. It wasn't that bad, but it really got harder as I got closer. But you know what kept me going and kept me like saying, okay, you know what? This is worth the wait. Is that I knew that it would happen. I knew that there would be a moment and a time where I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to drop her off anymore. Where I wouldn't have to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I could just simply say, you want to watch one more episode? You see, it is that hope that gave us strength. The hope that it'll happen. In Spanish, the word hope and the word wait are used interchangeably. They're the same word. If Elijah comes to me and says, dad, 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 can I have some candy? And I say, Elijah, espera. Means Elijah, wait. But that same word could also use and say, Elijah, Hope, meaning Elijah, espera. Espera comes from the word esperanza, right? Esperanza literally means hope. To wait, it means to hope. To wait, it doesn't mean to wait without hope. Let me move forward. So the first one is what? A person that depends on the Holy Spirit knows how to wait and act on God's timing. Number two, a person that depends on the Holy Spirit does not manipulate or is not manipulated. Because he or she depends on the Holy Spirit, this disciple moves in God's authority and conviction instead of manipulation. What is the difference between conviction and manipulation? 
I've learned the definition very, very well. I had to define it in my life as to not do it and as to not be manipulated. A person who is manipulated is usually pushed with someone's agenda in mind. Someone else has an idea and an agenda and they want to impose that upon someone else. That is called manipulation, whatever that agenda may be. However, conviction and conviction from God is this. It is an idea or an agenda that comes from God, for God, and to God. I'll put it like this. So godly conviction is from his word for the one who spoke the word to accomplish the purpose of the word. So godly conviction is from his word for the one who spoke the word to accomplish the purpose of the word. When you have the leading or the dependence on the Spirit of God, you don't have to worry about being manipulated because you have a Spirit of God who convicts you, who guides you in all truth. I can tell you this, I can listen to so many different sermons and I can quickly tell you the difference of what I should be receiving and not receiving if I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. But if I'm depending on my emotions, then so quickly will I be prone to the, 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 the tickling of the ear. We're hearing what I want to hear, what my flesh needs to hear, not what the Spirit of God is convicting. If I'm being led by the Spirit of God, I will know what my spirit needs, not just what my flesh wants. In the same way, if I'm listening, listen, just to learn and to have a fat head and to get smarter than other people and to say, actually, 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 and that's all I want to become, an actually Christian then I know that it's also flesh. As godly and as, and as pious as that may seem, it has no purpose of in him. All it is, is self-glorification. So a person who is led by the Spirit of God is not a person that is manipulated or is not manipulative, but rather moves by conviction of the Word of God. Amen. Number three, a person who is dependent on the Holy Spirit has radical obedience. Because it is obedience to God's authority and not man's, it can be radical and unquestioning. Because it is obedience to God's authority and not man's, it can be free from human manipulation and human pressure. Sometimes, some people would rather not obey because they feel the danger off. I believe that a person who depends on the Holy Spirit has radical obedience because they are certain that God is the one was instructing. I have a leader, I have a pastor whom I dearly love. I understand he's a human being. I understand he has flaws. But when I see God's authority in his life and I see what that represents, my heart is simply yielding to obedience. Let me tell you why. Because when you're led by the Spirit of God, that Spirit recognizes their Spirit and can say that comes from God, that is the Word of God, that is what I want. I explained it in the previous, you know, uh, the previous point, right? That you, you, you are, uh, you are not manipulated because it is because of the word of God, right? Well, the third point is simply being able to recognize it. The third point simply says, I will obey not the person. I will obey the anointing on the person. I will obey the God that dwells within that person. This is why so many people, man, have such a hard time with authority. Because they haven't yet understood that radical obedience is what God needs in order to bless you. We are taught to be critical. We are taught to be critical thinkers. And the problem with that is not 
to be a person that is thinking, a person that is intelligent. The problem comes when our critical thinking becomes a critical person. We begin to criticize people instead of being critical of that which is said. We start being critical of the character of the person that is saying it. And that is a very dangerous thing. It's a slippery slope. I'm not saying we should shut our brains off. I'm saying we should gear our brains towards the word of God. And we should see the authority of God in whoever God puts in your life. I am not a person that simply goes with whatever. I always want to look at the scripture. I want to see that it's there. But man, once I know it's his, I have no problem with radical obedience. Even if it costs something very high. I remember when Pastor Caesar asked Eonia and I to go live to Colombia. We were ministering. We were having a, we had our church here in Temple City. We were growing. It was exciting. It was, uh, we were doing well. I mean, I can tell you, uh, we had our family, our, our, our kid, you know, we had Elijah. He was, I don't know how old my wife could tell you the exact day that we traveled, but you know, he was, we had our baby. And out of nowhere, we dropped off our pastor, Pastor Cesar Castellanos. We dropped him off in LAX. And in that little ride to the airport, Ebony begins to tell him about some issues that were going on in the church. I won't get into them, but my pastor, being so wise, simply said to us, come live to Colombia. And Ebony said, uh, 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 he said, yeah, when? Uh, as soon as possible. Don't worry about anything. You're going to come. Just, just live with us. As soon as we dropped them off, Eunia and I began to cry. We didn't begin to cry because of how happy we were that our pastor had ministered to us and believed in us and had given us wise counsel. We began to cry because we knew that what we had just said had cost an advice that we knew we needed to obey. That advice meant we needed to die to our land. It meant we needed to leave our people. It meant we needed to do something, uproot, to be planted elsewhere. You know how painful that was? But as soon as we heard it, we knew we had to obey it because the contrary, it literally means disobedience. Now we weren't just listening to some Colombian pastor. We were listening to what we knew was the word of God. Now I'm not saying the Bible. I'm talking about word from God through his servant. And so Eunice and I went back home, began to plan. Eunice said, I need a word if I'm going to move. And I said, Get the word you need. But I got my word. I'm going to obey. And Leone didn't stop crying. I remember we sat there. And I said, Amor, the moment we heard this, we both knew we had to obey. I don't know if Leone would have spoken out if she knew that that was a directive of our pastor. To leave everything. I can tell you, two weeks later, he calls us and said, Pablo, Eunice, I'm calling to consolidate you. That call was so exciting because that morning, God had given Eoni a word about choosing between the tree of, good and e of knowledge and the tree of life. The knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We had just finished that devotional and our pastor calls us literally saying, I have a word for you. I put him on speaker and he says, choose the right tree. There are two trees. There is the tree of life. And there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Adam and Eve chose the wrong tree, they wanted to know and they did not trust. They didn't obey the word of God. And that they paid for the consequence. Man, we were weeping. We were crying. We hung the phone up. I don't think we even said bye. 
Very soon after that, we had already sold our car, rented it out, our, our subleased our apartment, packed up, said goodbye to everything, and our story has forever changed. I am moved in my emotions right now as I tell you this story because I've realized how much obedience has blessed my life. And sometimes our disciples think and when we ask them to obey it's because we have some weird hidden agenda. And I want to say this to any of you that think that way. If you still feel that way, I'm going to beg you, move, go somewhere else, find someone that you trust so that you don't use us as an excuse not to obey what God has to tell you. You see, you need to be planted somewhere that you trust, somewhere that you believe God will use someone that will speak into your life, words of obedience. Because if you fail to obey, I promise you this, and it is not something I say lightly. You cannot blame anyone else when you get to heaven. When you get in front of the Lord and God says, what did you do with the word I gave you? What word? The word I shared with you from the podium. The word I shared with you in Colombia. The word I shared with you in the U.S. The word I shared with you in Mexico. The word I shared with you in Argentina. The word I shared with you all over the world. The word I shared with you through that song. Do you remember that song? The word I shared with you when you stepped outside and saw the stars. That word I gave you. What did you do with it? Oh, my, my, my pastor, uh, you cannot blame anyone else. So I repeat what I'm saying and I need you to listen very carefully. Hey, welcome to Formation Fridays. If you're not willing to trust the man of God or the woman of God that is placed in your life, then find somewhere where you can trust. Go ahead, Mr. Criticism, and find someone who meets your standards and that person submit to. That's called discipleship. If you cannot obey, if you cannot trust, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's not the other person's fault. Maybe you have a trust issue. Maybe there's something inside of you that stops you from saying, I will yield. Now, I know some people say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I've been, I've been mishandled. I've known authority that has hurt me. And I believe that is also the case in many people's lives. But your wound should not prevent you from your obedience. Get healed. Ask God to heal you. Ask God to give you hope again. Ask God to heal your heart so that you can also be obedient. And so you could also reproduce the character of Christ in others. If you cannot obey God, let me ask you the question is this. If you cannot obey God, then how could you ever, ever expect God to use you? Because if God wants to use you and you cannot obey him, you're literally binding his hands. I'm a father and I have two boys. And when those boys are disobedient, I cannot bless them. I want to bless them. I want to trust them with more. But if I can't trust them with something this small, how could I eventually give them the keys to a car? How can I eventually give them a sharp knife if they cannot even use the kitty fork? Am I making sense? God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. Learn to obey. Man, did I stay on that point a little too long, huh? Radical obedience has blessed me radically. Point number four. A person who is guided and led by the Spirit of God is not afraid. A person who is guided by the Spirit of God is not afraid of people's opinions. It's not afraid of what everyone else will say. You see, when you're guided by the Spirit of God, it's so much easier to be transparent. When you're guided by the Spirit of God, it's so much easier to show and to reveal your heart. Because you know that at the end of the day, it is not the person's opinion that counts. It is God who you want to please. 
It says on Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We need to not be afraid of man. We need to learn to fear God over man. How many mistakes have you made because you were afraid of men? How many mistakes did I make while I was in high school and even in college because of the hand to the mouth? Oh, and you end up being pushed into doing something so dumb. You know, I thought I left that behind. But always you need to fight the pressure of pleasing people. Always and constantly you need to be able to fight and withstand the pressure of pleasing people. You know, I find something pretty funny. Every time I'm pleasing God, I find a way to please those that are pleasing God. But when I'm pleasing God, those that do not want to please God are always unpleased. Meaning, if you and I have the same desire to please the same person, we do the same thing for somehow, some way, we're going to arrive together. I find that a lot of people say, I just don't want to please people. Therefore, I don't do these things. I'm not talking about bad things. I'm talking about those things that God has asked you to do and you don't do the things God asked you to do because you use the excuse, I don't want to please people. I don't want to do it to please people. Bro, do your devotional. Even if people are pleased, do your devotional. Win souls and make disciples. Not to please people. Now, if people are pleased along the way, praise God. But if people are not pleased, praise God. Do what God called you to do in spite of what people will say. You know, it is so much easier to preach the word of God when you're not depending on what people will say or think. I'm going to be very transparent with you, very honest. This is why I find it so hard to preach in front of a camera. Because I'm always thinking of the person that may be behind, that may be getting hurt and maybe getting, oh man, what if that person, what if we lose that one person? And I just figured something out like two weeks ago. I was preaching Sunday or pre preaching a Sunday morning message and I saw it when I was at home with my family and I've realized that what people need is not another version. They don't need another exciting message. There's so many, so many channels for that. What people need is the word of God, the transformative word of God. And that word of God transformed their lives. And I believe that it is the most exciting thing they will ever experience. But a leader and a pastor is always battling that. God, I want to please you over people. I want to please you over people. But it's much easier to please people than to please God. But guess what? When you please God and you've learned the taste of the pleasure of pleasing God, man, it's addictive. Pretty soon you become a little stronger, a little less dependent on others, and a little more dependent on God. I don't talk from a high tower. I'm talking to you from a person who constantly and say, God, today I want to please you. More than him, more than her. There has been times where I had to please God and not my wife. And that's been difficult because maybe God asked me to do something or say something that she may not like because usually it's about her. God called me to minister to my wife sometimes. And when I have to minister to Pastor Eoni and she doesn't receive it and doesn't like it, then obviously I don't feel good. You know, when she has to minister to me, she doesn't have to be afraid of me. She cannot be afraid of me. There's been many times where my wife had to call me out on things. And I didn't like it. I wasn't pleased by her. I wasn't pleased with her. 
But she knew she was pleasing God. And so in that confrontation, she was being led by the Spirit of God. And she was able to be the instrument of God in my life. Because she wasn't afraid of what I would think or say of her. And I just thank God for that kind of relationship. A relationship where it's trying to please God and not each other. And eventually no one grows because no one is confronting anyone. And no one is helping anyone. And we just want to keep peace. Instead, we want to keep God at the center. Am I making sense? You could type amen or put the little hand up. Let's go to the next one. Five, seeks to glorify and please God and not self. We talk about not pleasing others. What about not pleasing self? So a person who is guided by the Holy Spirit is not trying to please other people, but is also not trying to please themselves or at least not please themselves at the expense of God's pleasure. I wrote it like this, his plan and pleasure are my purpose. His plan and pleasure are my purpose. What is the purpose of your marriage? His plan and his pleasure. What is the purpose of me having kids? His plan and his pleasure. Now don't get me wrong, God's good and perfect will is incredible. It's acceptable. It is delightful. Anything outside of the will of God is dangerous. And sure, it may seem pleasurable for a moment, but it leads to death and destruction. One preacher said it like this, When you are in the cover of God, when you are in the place where God wants you, it is a wonderful and enjoyable thing. It blesses everyone else. But when you step outside of that will and that cover, it's like taking fire from a fireplace and spreading it around the house. When you do not remain under the will, the cover, and the pleasure of God, then you begin to live according to your own pleasure. You start throwing scalding fireballs all over your house, setting the house on fire, putting your family in danger, and putting everything that God wanted you to have, everything you built, is bound to crumble if you do not remain under the will of God. So important to put God's pleasure over our pleasure. Now, this is easier said than done. I'm not talking about a mon like, I'm not talking like if I was a, a monastic priest, you know. I'm trying to tell you simply that constantly every day we have to say to God, God, today I want to die for you. Today I want to live for you. Not too long ago, I shared a devotional with a part of a, our, our 12 and, and I was telling them that it is so much easier to die for someone than to live for someone. You know, it is so much easier to die for someone than to live for someone because when you die for someone, it's one brave choice. But when you have to live for someone, you have to choose over and over and over and over and over and over again to die. Die daily. Die to self. Die, die, die. That's what my pastor told me. You want a good marriage? Yes. Give me some advice, pastor. Die, he said. I thought he was kidding. He said, die, you need to die. I understood what he said. I just didn't want to hear it. Because I know that every day I must die. This is what the apostle said. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. These are words coming from a man who is definitely spirit-led. Let me go to one more. Actually, I got a couple more. A person who depends on the Holy Spirit, depends on God's character, and knows how to use God's gifts and not the other way around. He depends on God's character and knows how to use God's gifts and not the other way around. What is the other way around? Is a person who depends on God's gifts and knows how to use his character. Oh man, how dangerous it is to rely on your gift. Let me tell you why it is so dangerous to rely on your gift. Because your gifts do not need your maturity. Because your gifts are without repentance. God can use a person that is unrepented and that is so dangerous. God can use 
a person like Saul who would do amazing prophetic acts. He would speak prophetic words and still be demon bound. Let me repeat that again. Saul would prophesy over his people. He was an incredible prophet. Yet at the same time, he was demon bound, demon spelled. How could it be that a person so gifted as Samson, having the gifts of God to, to have the strength that only God could give him, to defeat, defeat armies by himself, would still be so bound to sexual sin? Because gifts are something that God gives you to bless people. But character is what God gives you to bless generations, to bless entire descendants. A person with character can be trusted with any gift. But a person with any gift, I am sorry to tell you, it's dangerous even to himself. A lot of churches, a lot of leaders, they use people for their gifts and they don't expect character from them. And I figure that's the worst thing you can do for someone. You know, Sometimes people come to this church with great gifts and great talents and we want to use those gifts and talents for the glory of God. The problem is this, if that does not change, if that character is not changing, eventually they will know that they were used and not cared about. If I want my son's gifts to bless the house, but I never care about his character, I am in essence telling him, I want what you have to offer, but I don't care about your future. God cares about your future. God cares about your character. You must be led by the Spirit of God, not by the giftings of the Holy Spirit. The gifting of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful blessing. It is a blessing to the body. It is so beautiful. But don't you get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. If God gave you a gift, you must be responsible to grow in dependence on the Holy Spirit. You are that much more responsible if you're that much more gifted. Am I making sense? Let's go to one more here. A person who is depending on the Holy Spirit has a thankful attitude. Why? Because they know where it all comes from. You're not depending on yourself. You're not a self-made man who is worshiping his creator, right? You're depending on God. And whenever you see something happening in your life, you cannot help but be thankful because you know that without him, you would have nothing and be nothing and would go nowhere. Depending on the Holy Spirit gives you a thankful heart. Depending on the Holy Spirit makes you giving. You can give without <laughs> loving, but you cannot love without giving. Let me repeat that again. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. When the Holy Spirit of God leads you, he leads you out of you. Listen, when the Holy Spirit of God leads you, he leads you to be like him. Giving, offering, always looking at the other person's needs. That's one of the things that I just am baffled by with God. That the person <laughs> that is led by the Spirit of God is going to be asked to give, to relinquish Things and, and, and finances and, and relationships that God simply wants. Sometimes God is not that he's wanting those because he's needing those. He's wanting those because you're needing them. 
You hear what I said? God is not wanting those things because he needs them. He's wanting those things because you need them and you're depending on those and not on God. Man, I've been studying the life of Abraham and I'm telling you, I was so excited. I almost changed my Sunday message because I was so pumped about one particular area of Abraham, how constantly he gave. Constantly Abraham was a giving man. Abraham was not someone who grabbed onto things. He was a man who said, God, I let it go. I let go. I let go. I don't want it. I don't need it. God, this is yours. This is your blessing. You gave it to me. But if I love it, it belongs to you. His own son, he was able to say, God, how am I going to do this? But you asked for it and it belongs to you. Some of you will struggle with giving anything to anyone. How? In the world, can you be led by the Spirit of God and not have a giving heart? Man, you knew. You knew when I began to give these 12 characteristics, I was going to come to some point, at some point, about giving. I'm talking about finances because we so much depend on money, don't we? If we have, we feel good. If we don't have, we feel so bad. The Apostle Paul says, I know how to live in want and I know how to live in abundance. How beautiful it is to be able to live in abundance but how beautiful it is to learn to live in want whether you're in an apartment or in a rented room or in a garage or in a mansion to say lord you are my source and i depend on you if you're having a hard time tithing if you're having a hard time giving to god what belongs to god i really encourage you to challenge who you're depending on now i know some of you have arguments some of you have a lot of things you have to say about this subject at the end of the day, I pray that you are not putting us or anyone else as an excuse, as I said in a previous point, to not be obedient to the word of God. Do not wait until God says, since this is an impediment, let me remove it. Rather, ask God to help you to surrender everything at his hands. Let me give you one more, two more, and then we finish. Seeking unity is a quality of a person that depends on the Holy Spirit. A person that does not seek unity, instead is divisive, cannot be partaker of God's agenda. God seeks to bring unity to his body and to his people. By the way we love one another, they will know that we are his disciples. Learn that there's power in unity. The Holy Spirit, as a matter of fact, came upon the people of God, right, man, at the utmost, at the, at the upper room, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, when they were together and in unity, the Spirit of God fell upon them. It was in togetherness and unity. If you're a person who has divisive hearts, criticizing, wanting always to, to make yourself look good to someone by talking bad about someone else, I would question if you're being led by the Spirit of God. And the last one, and it's not the least one, is that a person that is led by the Spirit of God does not have a victim mentality. A person who is led by the Spirit of God has a conquering mindset. A person who is loved by the Spirit, who is led by the Spirit of God doesn't have a spirit of slavery, but has a spirit of conquest. It says on Romans 8.15, For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, father can you in the midst of any circumstance say god i am not a victim 
I'm a victor. I am not someone who is under, but someone who is above. I'm not the tail. I am the head. I am not the borrower. I am the lender. God, you and I will find a way. Lead me into green pastures. Let's pray and ask God to give us these characteristics. The one that holds them all together is called humility. The one that can actually bring all these characteristics and keep them together is humility. God forbid that you become someone with a conquering mindset without humility. That you become giving without humility. God forbid that you become someone who is able to have all these gifts and not able to thank God for them. I pray right now that God helps us to be more like him and not just to like him more. I pray that God guides us in humility. Psalms 25 says, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Dear God, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Thank you for your incredible guidance because we can depend on you. You are trustworthy. You are someone, God, that we can rely on. Help us, God, to take each step according to your will and not according to ours. God, I pray that whoever is listening to this message can be convicted by you, Holy Spirit. If any part of this message didn't settle in well, God, I pray that they would see it through your filter, not their own. Thank you, Jesus, because I know that you showed us by example how to walk according to the Spirit. You took our excuses to the cross along with our sin. Help us, God, to live lives of full dependence in you. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Let me tell you how to actually walk according to the Spirit. You need to learn to breathe. Breathe spiritually. You exhale your sin daily. You repent. You say, I don't want this in my life. And then you inhale. You say, God, give me you. Fill me with you. Every day, that's a practice of every Christian. Inhale and exhale. Exhale and exhale. Exhale and inhale. Say, God, garbage out. Fill me with you. Thank you guys so much. We will see you guys next week. We will cover the third characteristic of a multiplying disciple. God bless.